This is All in Alert presented by LMC Manufacturing. Hey everybody, it's December 19th, 2023, and welcome to Almond Alert. Today, we're going to have a lot of fun. So a lot of folks have been having a chance for the last few months to get the the new CEO of the Almond Board of California, Clarice Turner. And she took time out of her day here grinding into the holidays to come sit down with us and really lay out uh, her vision um, and her her expert opinion and look at an approach to our industry and where we are at such a critical time, not only how to address the challenges and, and kind of our analysis of these challenges, but also the look ahead and where the opportunity is. And she gets frank and down to business. I mean, she had a list. This is where we got to go. This is what we got to do. And more importantly, she can back it up. She's had an incredible career recruited for Pepsi, then into product development uh, and her combination, I think, of understanding not only marketing, but also ingredient and, and ingredient and product development at multiple platforms, Taco Bell, Pepsi, Starbucks, um, and then on her own uh, in other capacities, I think brings an interesting look to this industry at such an interesting and critical time for a new evolution. And so today we had such a great opportunity to sit and talk with her about what the next era of almond leadership looks like. Uh, from the Almond Board of California, uh, as also how we work together as the Almond Alliance uh, and the Trade Association. So without further ado, I really, it is my sincerest pleasure to introduce you to Clarice Turner, the CEO of the Almond Board of California. Clarice, thank you so much for joining us today uh, and Welcome. taking my time. Yeah, I, it's, I know we're in the, the heat of the holidays, but we're coming off of a high of Almond Conference. A different tone this year at Almond Conference, and I think one that was struck really well. Um, you know, it's 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 the I, I felt the tone at Almond Conference was really the uh, that turn to yep, these are tough times. Where do we want to go on the other side? It's kind of been two years of where are we going, where are we going, where are we going, and now it's okay. This is here to stay, and how do we want to control our destiny? And that that's something that we talk a lot about at the Alliance. And I was really happy to hear and see some of that uh, at the Almond Board. But let's start with you, Clarice. I mean, you and I have been getting coffee once a month for months. Um, but I would love for others to get a chance to get to know you a little bit more. To so talk about, like, just tell us a little bit more about your background. You're a native Californian like us. And um, I, I always say a proud and unapologetic California farm girl. And I know you're the same. So let's let's, let's bond, sister. Let's have some, some kindred spirit here. All right. Well... My passion for agriculture goes back pretty far. 1773, my family's farmed a lot of crops. Um, you win. <laughs> um, some of them I've helped them farm and some my dad and, you know, his cousins helped farm um, a lot of generations. But I used to spend my summers in Modesto uh, running the farm stand um, over in Riverbank. And my family had peaches and nectarines. Oh, yeah. Back when we had stone fruit around here. Yep. And it spoiled me for my life because <laughs> I'm always searching for a peach that was as good. Actually, the ice cream was my favorite. We made everything you could think of, of course, out of um, peaches and nectarines, but great memories and great times. And my family has a little artichoke farm and heirloom tomatoes that we sell to local um, chefs in Napa. So um, not nearly the endeavors that my family took on. Mine's tiny, tiny. 
Um, but it is a labor of love and it brings my family together and it keeps me really grounded in terms of what it takes, right? When mother nature is kind or sometimes she's not. Right. Um, and, you know, thus goes the rest of the industry along with the macroeconomic outlooks that impact us too. So um, I have had passion for agriculture in this state for a very long time. And as I said at conference, I'm worried about it. Yeah. There's so many things that are coming at us. Um, and I feel compelled and very humbled and privileged to be able to be in a position to make a difference, hopefully in the years to come, so that generations of California farmers will continue to prosper. Yeah, we talk, I mean, for me, it is a it is a passion, right? It's a, you know, keep, I say it as a bumper sticker, but it's true. I really am driven by how do I keep farmers farming? And it's something that I think about on a macro, even global scale, uh, yep. when I look at the trajectory of human prosperity. Um, not to get too into that, we could do that. But I mean, talk about your, your journey to this, because you are coming to the largest, um, uh, 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 commodity board in in the United States, the the largest um, uh, marketing order in the U.S. at a time of great challenge and great change, um, and and you know you have this passion that starts from from before. But I mean, some people would ask, why are you taking this job at such a difficult time? And I think it's such a difficult time. Like I don't think we're saying anything that's out of out of school here. Our industry is going through change, and when that happens, there's even internal dynamics that are taking place in re in in response as a result of some of the the outside factors putting stress on the industry. I, I see that as a good thing, but I mean, this this comes to a question to you: Why take this job at this time? And maybe talk a little bit about your journey professionally for doing that. Yeah, a couple of things. I mean, one almonds are a global success story in agriculture, right? I mean what has been achieved is amazing. And the fact that we're 600 miles end to end in this valley, and it's pretty much concentrated here, right? 80% of the world's ish, 80% of the world's almonds. I mean, it, it's such a rarity, right? So that intrigues me. Plus the almond itself is pretty awesome um, as a product, right? And um, I've always been very passionate about the products I've been involved with. And it's been super impor important to me because I started out in sales selling something that I didn't really believe in and I wasn't very good at it because <laughs> I didn't believe in it. I couldn't convince anybody because I wasn't convinced myself. So um, that intrinsically is super important to me from a motivational standpoint. And then most of my career, I've actually taken on challenges. Um, at one point when I was working with PepsiCo and um, Taco Bell, they deliberately gave me, you know, the hardest situations and um, I just love putting all the puzzle pieces together and figuring it out and getting people to collaborate, um, you know, to figure your way out of the hole. Depending on how deep it is, it takes a little more time sometimes, but um, there's always a way. And I love the challenge. Mm -hmm. How do you, um, I think we're very similar in that. Um, how how would you describe your approach to challenge and, and your your kind of... Uh, way of wrapping your head around challenges? Like what's your process? Just out of curiosity. I'm, I'm a strategist. I mean, ultimately I just, you know, look under all the rocks and, and I'll go through a phase of asking a ton of questions and collaborating with everybody I can get my hands on that I know is a subject matter expert in different areas. Um, and then bring people together and collaborate and figure out what's the way forward. Mm -hmm. Right. Sometimes that, make means some pretty tough decisions. I like to do SWOT analysis, which we've done a 
several of now, um, and then use a process called start, stop, continue um, to say, okay, are we really focused on the right priorities? And if so, what are they? And then what should we stop doing? Or what might we think about doing differently? Because usually the answer's in there somewhere when you start to collaborate and get good brainstorming going. Um, at least some things that you can focus on that you can actually control influence, right? Because so many things, and, and unfortunately, we're in a situation where a great deal of these things we don't control, right? right? So, you, But you can't spin your wheels because we all only have so much energy and mm -hmm. so and time and resources. And so mm -hmm. if you don't focus those things, sometimes the boat can spin. So I find it's important to ask the hard questions, have those difficult conversations and get to a place where you can get alignment and get a bona fide plan together that prioritizes your resources and efforts. Mm -hmm. So from, I'm going to take a step back before we pull that thread a little bit further. So PepsiCo, Taco Bell, what kind of has been the, the, the path to here for those who don't know? Um, let's see. I was rec rec recruited straight out of grad school um, when I graduated into PepsiCo. Um, and that was after spending several years in China. Um, where I had my own business and was doing research as a graduate student. Um, and I was with 16 years with PepsiCo. Wow. Um, and that, you know, PepsiCo owned the restaurant divisions at that point. Later on, they spun them off. So I started in Taco Bell. Um, but I was operations, marketing, sales, real estate. I mean, eventually general management. So I had mm -hmm. all of it. Um, I was in a fast track management recruit program, which meant you changed jobs every two years and moved. And you took over teams <laughs> in a function that you had never been in before other than formal education. So um, I learned to, you know, build relationships, get along with people. If you didn't have that, those skills, you wouldn't succeed in mm -hmm. that program. So um, and the resources of Pepsi, which was amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's where I really learned like product formulation and how you can really take things to the next level when you're working with great ingredients. Yeah. Um, and then. Um, Let's see, from Pepsi, I went to private equity, Papa Murphy's. Oh. You might recognize take and bake pizza. I was I was that customer. I was that mom that was able to say she made dinner because the pizza came out of the oven. <laughs> um, and I could tell operationally they had a lot of opportunity and also in the marketing area. So um, I was president there for a couple of years and we sold to a different private equity company and then recruited by Starbucks. And I ran, let's see, three quarters of the U.S. business um, retail, which is interesting. So that's all the functions, right? Um, and lots of interface with marketing and promotions. Um, and then I saw so much opportunity in food because it used to really upset me when I would see somebody come into a Starbucks with a Dunkin'. Um, yeah, a Dunkin' bagel. bagel. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> why can't we have a Starbucks bagel that people want to eat? Um, so I... I was so vocal about it that um, they created the job of food and been a job at, at Starbucks for a long time. Because obviously coffee is the main thing. Um, so that and that was that was enormous um, in terms of, you know, formulating new things. The sous vide egg, if you like the egg bite, that was my baby. Yeah. Because I was trying not to eat carbs and I kept burning my finger on the <laughs> fingers. I'm going to take the English muffin off and I'm driving, you know, the hot <laughs> egg and bacon between my fingers taking it apart like right. like this is so wasteful for one thing i'm throwing away an english muffin every time i get one and you know two like why can't somebody create something that's innovative and so 
that that egg puck was born and now it's like everywhere it's star it's a uh, costco and trader yeah. joe's and you know everybody's copied it which is great because there is a consumer need right so <laughs> um fortunately in my career particularly pepsico i mean i went through marketing university at pepsico even after i went and studied marketing um in college and they taught us around the world like here's how you go get insights around where the consumer is and how to get into their mindset figure out what opportunities are there that don't exist today mm-hmm. and that is both art and science and you've got to surround yourself with amazing people to be able to get that to happen Mm-hmm. Uh, but I and that's one of the things I see in the industry is there's so much innovation that can happen because mm-hmm. almonds are so versatile. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're healthy. They're good for the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many forms of them. There's things we haven't even explored yet. You know, we thought almond milk was a big deal. It was a big deal. What else is what's the next big deal? We don't know yet. Um, but the form factors, uh, there's just so much opportunity in front of us. And that that really is exciting to me because I've seen that happen before. I've been part of that process. I know how to lead and, you know, inspire people around it, mm-hmm. which I feel for, you know, the category. So I'm not talking products, I'm talking category of almonds, that that's important. Yeah. So that's a good, you know, kind of pivot into, you know, your outlook on like, let's talk about the industry and where we're at right now. I think, um, I, I, I run into the same thing. I, I'm excited about the product itself. And we talk a lot about how, at least on the advocacy side, sometimes I feel like agriculture, bless our hearts. And I grew up in it. Um, you know, I feel like we spent a lot of, we, we unfortunately um, spent the last like 20 years talking about the crop and not talking about the farmer um, and not talking about what we do. And so I find on the advocacy side, I almost have a, a an interesting place to go, but the almond becomes such a killer asset and weaponizes us in such a new way, because now that we're in this space of putting a face to it, we have a product that is actually very well loved and respected and has so much, um, like, you know, if you look at the positives and negatives in the column, columns, it's out, outweighing on the positive side, it has such an incredible story to tell just itself. And you pair that with the people behind it and and it is it has opened up so many doors for us and in a lot of ways uh i don't mean to digress but you know i've kind of it, it's been an interesting journey at least with the alliance in my couple of years here has you know if you look at ag over the last number of years i feel like we've been the the neglected husband you know we we married our our consumer years ago and the more efficient we got and the more urbanized our culture became the less we related to them as consumers, it's like we forgot to bring our flowers every once in a while. Well, we all have that competition too, right? right? The other nut categories have caught up and there's all kinds of plant-based protein creations out there now too. So we yeah. got to get in front of the pack again. People are in a company. That's an interesting spot. So talk a little bit about that because you know we've, we've got market dynamics right now. Obviously the regulatory, we could talk about that, but let's talk about the market side of this because I find myself repeating myself, I'm sure you do too, where I'm sitting here going, look, like, yeah, we've got a lot of nuts on the market and we could rip out trees, but that doesn't solve my 800 million pounds sitting here today. Like that's, we've got volume we need to move. And a lot of times it's, well, demand versus supply control and back to what can we control and what we cannot. Let's talk about that a little bit because I feel like there's a a criticism that almost needs to be um, called out, which is, well, we've we've got to market better. We've got to market more. And I'm going, yeah, you're not wrong. There's a lot to be done in marketing, but that's a, Talk a little bit about that. You're more of an expert in this than I am. But to me, that's a long, like that doesn't happen overnight, magically. 
So let's talk about that side of things and what you're seeing in industry and, and just kind of your perspective on kind of current state of affairs. Yeah, it doesn't happen overnight, particularly when you're marketing a commodity. Right? <laughs> Product, you know, like I used to be able to measure my sales at Starbucks every 15 minutes. That's insane. It is insane. Oh my <laughs> god! I wish that we had never created that because it when you can't when you can't have access to data like that, you kind of get addicted to it. So you're not helping my paranoia about Starbucks <laughs> and my credit card is more about me than anybody else. Like <laughs> no, it's more to it's more to do with operations and trying to understand how to most efficiently staff and all yeah. of that kind of stuff because you're trying to look for patterns in your business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're not really monitoring you every 15 minutes. After <laughs> makes more how the data is coming in. But it's <laughs> interesting because it is a little bit longer term play, particularly if you think about how long it took us. I'm not saying that it will take us this long to start stimulating, right, mm -hmm. ad additional incremental growth, but it takes a while to influence consumer habits. And I don't necessarily mean the end user consumer. I'm talking about like CPG and food service and, you know, what they know to be true about almonds, what they may or may not believe about the environmental impact of almonds, um, you know, all the things that are such great attributes of ours. There is turnover going on constantly in that space with who is working in those companies, who's formulating products, you know, chefs and who they're working for or if, what they're doing, if they're doing their own thing. Um, you have to continually keep in front of them. Mm -hmm. um, because everybody else is trying to do that too, right? And so as we say in marketing and advertising, you have to break through, yeah. which means you got to be, you got to know what your message is. You got to be on message. You got to be consistent, mm -hmm. right? So that's lots of channels. You heard me talk about, and I'll just, I'll tell you like flat out, here's what I think needs to happen. We have to accelerate our, and be aggressive about marketing and advertising, um, and specifically, I mean, being bold and scrappy and concise and targeted and memorable, because those are the things that break through. Yeah. So doesn't mean we've been doing a bad job at that. It just means we're kind of at a place now where you got to turn it up a notch, right? Because we got to step change where this goes in terms of being able to really crank up demand. We also have to advance our omni-channel public relations efforts. And that's around protecting and enhancing the category of almonds themselves, right? And not let anybody else tell that story for us, whether that's nutritionally or that's environmentally, because they, they tend to, when you don't tell your own story, they tend to tell only a piece of your story. And it may or may not be the piece that you want, but the point is, is that there's a great story to tell. We have to align on the three to five things, like what's it going to be? Like what you and I talk about, right? Like let's have a line be between the two of us in terms of the messages that are going out there. That's really important. The other thing is that we have to own our narrative that almonds have a positive effect on the environment today without doing one thing differently, right? Which is crazy that, <laughs> that that's not out there. I don't know if you saw the YouTube um, videos from the True Foods yeah. series. And she did, it's, it's long, right? But she did a great job of putting that out there. Um, and hopefully, you know, we can be able to take some of the snippets and quote her mm -hmm. those things we can't say. Right. 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 So part of that is, is winning the trade over to prefer almonds as mm -hmm. the best choice for them as they're formulating ingredient for ingredients and snacks. Um, and I kind of coined this phrase that 
Almonds are the most nutritionally dense shelf stable protein on the planet, period. Yeah. Right. Like there you go. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. So don't, you know, you don't need to think about, you know, which piece or part of it. You just, you know, nutritional density, that is something that very, very few proteins can offer, right? They may have one thing or two things. They don't have all the things. We have all the things, right? Everybody should know that. And and having said that too, we also need to continue to deepen our research on health and nutrition mm -hmm. um, to elevate our abilities to make claims because that takes time for us to get approval to make claims, right? We have the heart health claim, thankfully. Right. And there are others that we're in the process of being able to get approval to do that. Yes. But we can also elevate um, how we work with third parties to tell the story for us, right? So we can do more of that. Um, and I love that phrase, 24 almonds a day keeps the doctor away, right? <laughs> I don't know that we can say, I, I tell people that and they're like, uh, is it okay to eat more? I'm like, oh yeah, sure. <laughs> Just make sure you eat 24 if you want to get the health, the maximum health benefits, right? right. Almonds can give you. So, I mean, I see huge opportunities ahead of us. We have such amazing product and, and that's what it comes down to is, you know, just telling our story, getting it out there and being aggressive with how um, we're talking about people, or, uh, talking about with people, educating the chefs that are in training right now, right? Like thousands of chefs are graduating every six months. I'm a trustee for the Culinary Institute. Like I see how they get influenced mm -hmm. by what they cook when they're in school. And they're all over the world and they go back home <laughs> and all of a sudden, voila, right? Things show up in their diet that they learned in America, mm -hmm. either in New York or in Greystone in Napa, or there's also a campus in San Antonio. There's one in Singapore. Um, and a lot of that, you know, is just being able to help the school um, get the curriculum mm -hmm. to in have influence from mm -hmm. different proteins. And, and they're very much all about that. But like I said, we've got We've got company there. So right. uh, the other place where innovation really needs to come in is developing new ideas for almond products and the byproducts, right? And you and mm -hmm. I've talked about that with the fermented almond balls, right? Which that's huge for climate change, right? Look, what a great story. And I know the USDA is very, very interested in that. I know you've been uh, working with Secretary Ross um, mm -hmm. and trying to help that get traction, but... Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is the trade environment, you know, continuing to just cultivate relationships around the world. And for our part of that, telling, you know, providing data and educating mm -hmm. around facts, right? You have the pointy end of the spear on that one, Aubrey. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's, um, there's a lot of dynamics that play into that. And so I think, I think something similar for both of us in, in these kind of, uh, I don't know, sister positions is exactly that how do you break through on the messaging because it is we you know it's concise messaging it's controlled we always are looking for kind of this sweet spot in the venn diagram of if we have opportunity because we're dealing right. again with a lot of dynamics that are outside of our control i can't control an outcome of an election but i know what that does to behavior or timelines with regards to requirements or laws or protocols how people will behave um, you know, uh, you, you're going to watch, like, give an example is, you know, it's an election year with a, with a, with a presidential, you're going to watch this administration jam as much as they can through before September. Why September? Aubrey, the you know, election's in November. There's something called the Congressional Records Act, where anything done 90 days out within the 90-day window before an election 
can just be pulled back by the next administration right that it's not solid so they've got to jam through okay what does that mean for us what does that mean for the bureaucracy what attention can i get where's the opportunity zones so we always look for where can we have relevance legitimacy credibility and that speaks so much to what you're talking about around um uh uh not just what we're saying but making sure we have the information to back it up and that is a, i think such a critical component here and one of the great gifts of the almond board that you're walking into is the data sets and um, the amount of information that that the almond board sits on it really has for us made the difference um, between being effective or not at critical moments as we can walk in and say yep we can back it up here's what we're asking what we're asking for so i love what you're talking about in terms of aggressively marketing or or it's you're right. It's not saying what you've been doing isn't good. It's saying you're kicking it into an, another gear for a new generation. And that's where we have to go at this point. It, I, I, like you said before, what got us here isn't going to get us there. That's right. That, that shouldn't be seen as a negative. That should be seen as such a great opportunity um, and a positive. And, um, and I think too, aligning in that controlling of our narrative and making sure we're speaking for ourselves. And that's, that's so much of what we do, and I'm so excited to see more of that. With yeah, with we can't let other people tell our story. I mean, that's you gotta, you know, you gotta take the steering wheel away from them. That's and, not, and you have to be careful too, because you don't want to get right in a, in a war. But that's not wise. You gotta, you know, it's it's data and it's facts and it's our story, and we have to tell it. But you're right. I mean, what got us here is not going to get us there. And I had a lot of fun when I had, you know, the great pleasure to have overlap, right, with Richard for a few mm -hmm. months, um, I actually went back and studied what the almond industry did all the way back to the 1850s, the first year it was a commercial crop. Um, and every time they got in a situation, and they were, you know, like in 19, after um, World War II, mm -hmm. almonds were eight cents a pound. Yeah. Like, ouch. Yeah. Right. But at, as, you know, the macro stuff started to turn around and they had a good crop year, and it bounced right back. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons it bounced back, and this was the third time I saw this in history, was innovation. Mm -hmm. So some of that back in the day was farming innovation, right? Yeah. To try to make the businesses more profitable. But a lot of it was product innovation, um, mm -hmm. finding new uses. So you never know. I mean, you don't think that you can innovate anything because you think you've got the best thing right now until something else comes along. You're like, wow, that's really smart. Well, and I think that's what's unique with the almond. If I, I'm, I'm going to brag about it. Going back to what you said at the outlook, this product's versatility is something that you actually don't have with some of the others in this space. Right. For, for just like biologic reasons. The, the almond is itself incredibly, like you said, it's the sh shelf stability. It's the nutrient density and that shelf stability combined with, um, I think it's versatility as a product. We're right now working on approvals with USAID and the McGovern Dole World Food Program. And one of the things we're having to go through with them and we're working with Almond Board on is literally getting approval for every form the almond might be requested in. And it's, I wrote it out yesterday again, and it's 12, like there's a dozen forms of almond. <laughs> it's, that, it's amazing. That's yeah, amazing. That, that still hold its nutrient density and, and its shelf stability. And um, when you combine that, uh, particularly with the protein levels and this increasing um, growth and you know, the, the, the changes in population and the increase in the diet changes in population, there's a huge opportunity here um, yeah. you know, for, <clears throat> for almonds in that space. 
Well, and along those lines too, I mean, it, it was great that the board and the ABC team did the Deloitte work, you know, that mm -hmm. they funded the study to try to look at existing markets and potential new markets. Because you see all over the world that there's opportunity. It looks a little bit different in terms right. of how you might go after it. And, you know, I love the idea of um, not putting all our eggs in one basket in terms of where, especially where we export to, but yeah. also not ignoring our backyard, which is our largest market, right? Um, it's a little harder and it's going to take a little bit longer time probably to develop the U.S. market. But Deloitte really honed in on it's about innovation in this market, mm -hmm. right? And so that, that was music to my ears because I know how to go do that and I know the people to go call to get it done. So um, well, that'll be a fun journey, but also replicating that same thing um, in incubators in different countries around the world. And I'm thinking of India because it's our biggest single export market. Mm -hmm. uh, there's so much opportunity, which is really great to have um, that data. From mm -hmm. They also highlighted the need that we need to tell our environmental story too. Yep. Which is, you know, I mean, it's got to be impacting demand. I don't, and any anytime you tell anybody that you're associated with almonds, what do they tell you? Oh, that uses a lot of water. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, it does. And it's also, you know, 86% of certified uh, bee-friendly farms are almond farms. Do you know that data? Probably yeah. not, right? Probably. Like, so what are the other things? They need to have the whole story. Yeah, I think... Yeah. But I'm excited as, as we continue to formulate these these messaging points because it I think where we're at right now, at least I find opening up a little bit on our end, we have all of these incredible positive efforts that we're moving in and it's now starting to put them into one comprehensive message. Mm -hmm. um, and I think this is going to be the year to do it, um, particularly, uh, uh, you know, both on on kind of what you're coming out of and what you're digging up through coming in with fresh eyes um, and seeing these opportunity points and then just so, sort of kind of looking at the trends of where things are going on our end. It's, 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 it's going to be interesting to watch these, I think, come together. And I'm excited to see it. Re I'm at that point where I'm chomping at the bit. I don't know if you are. I'm just like, okay, I can see all of it on the whiteboard. Now let's start putting it together, um, I think, in a more comprehensive way. The Deloitte study, interestingly enough, is that, what's the plans with that? Is that going to go, you know, does that stay internal? What, like, how, how is that being communicated or released? Yeah, it's, um, it's socialized with the board already. Okay. So we're going to get together in um, February and slice and dice and figure out, you know, okay, what do we want to prioritize mm -hmm. or not? Because there's a lot that you could do and you can't do it all. Right. Um, so we have to to make those tough decisions um, and come out of that with, you know, an alignment around what our priorities will be. But that's where it really, you know, we get into the meat of it in uh, digesting it and figuring out uh, where we want, what baskets we do want to put our eggs in, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, and that'll be, I'm really looking forward to that. I mean, it's, you know, it's tough. We've got some difficult times to endure mm -hmm. ahead, but we have been getting at least a little bit of good news in the economy lately, right? Mm -hmm not some people are saying we're not headed for <laughs> um a recession and inflation seems to be softening a little bit and the fed did say that they're gonna lower rates three times next year but you know who knows i mean that too could change and to your point we're in election year so but that's not supposed to be political so 
No, uh, that's, we're stating fact. That's just a fact. This is what, right. this is how this is going to go. It's uh, public. I mean, it's, they're published. That's Those are things that have come out in the news in the last couple of weeks. And that's since even conference, right? We've had some right. positive economic indicators, which is good because it doesn't, sometimes doesn't really take a lot to, to change consumer sentiment, right? And they're conservative right now because, you know, they've they've eaten through the pantries that they stocked up when everybody was hoarding during COVID. Right. Right. And their their patterns have changed a little bit in terms of snacking. We know that about the U.S. But, you know, as they're out and about traveling again and maybe going back to the office more days than not, and that starts to evolve, you know, we could see some these are these are the macro things that impact their behavior. And Mm -hmm. we see some some change in that. It'll it'll be interesting. It'll be, you know, probably six months to a year before we really know that. But at least the the positive economic stuff that usually really helps that gas prices, you know, stuff that that people are just watching from Mm -hmm. paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. How do you um, that was an interesting presentation during the state of the industry, the kind of trend analysis. I thought that was really valuable. Um, in fact, I, 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 I'll admit I shot screenshots and sent it to my team and I was like, start just thinking about this. Cause this is, we need to be, how does that kind of nexus on our end? And, and, um, what, you know, as you're talking about, you know, I think you're right. There's a lot of outside factors that are influencing our buyers, yep. uh, our, our consumers and our, even like you said, our consumers, not just the end consumer, but the middle consumer too. Um, do you, I guess what I'm, I'm wondering is just kind of where, where you see those changes, uh, you know, let's just talk domestically. You know, one of the things that I've wondered, and this may be so basic is just like the increase in the, in the, uh, protein based diets, the high protein diets and the shift to alternative proteins have become so much more affordable. I, I mean, look, I'm a big Quest Bar eater. I, I practically live on them. Mm-hmm. I think they're one of the best products on the market. No, it's not almond-based. I wish it was, but it's not. And I'm, But I love the convenience and the nutritional value I get out of it. Um, and I, it has that, as that has become a growing and more more affordable, and that's changing some of the, the behavior here, can you talk a little bit about that trend analysis and like, is that influencing some of the, you know, the direction that we're going? Yeah, it is. And we have a lot of company there too, right? So yeah. you got to stand out, which means you have to lead the innovation in that space, right? Mm-hmm. Because I mean, there are large CPG companies that do innovation on their own, but they're only going to do it with a view to their product lines and what mm-hmm. they want to create. Right. But so we've seen, we've seen a couple things happen. One is, you know, the plant forward thing is not a trend anymore. It's here. No. Right. Mm-hmm. Like people want to do that. Protein is important. And a lot of people want to get that in the plant format. That is great for us. Right. And it's great for a lot of other people too. So that's important. And being able to go after that in a way that positions almonds in a superior place, right. right because of the versatility, because of the shelf life, we don't have a rancidity problem that a lot of other nuts do. Right. And if you're in the business of formulating product, one of the things that you get evaluated on as a professional, right, is your cost of sales. Mm-hmm. What does that product actually cost to produce? Um, and if you have a short shelf life on it, that's a bad thing because yeah. it means you're going to have more waste on the product, right? Which means that you it's a it's a disadvantage to your buyer. Mm-hmm. If you're in the restaurant business, it's a big disadvantage to your operators because they're evaluated in part on their cost of sales. So kind of understanding the motivation with how people 
formulate, whether it's going into food service or it's going into uh, um, CPG, there's a lot of common denominators there that almonds can win on big time, particularly when we have so many form factors, mm-hmm. right? I also look at like I had I think I told you I had an Italian chef friend of mine I, when he called me when the announcement first came out and he said, can you please create a pasta that's made from almonds? <laughs> he said, because he said people in Italy also don't want to eat flour mm-hmm. because they're trying to, you know, stay away from carbs. Mm-hmm. And he said, and they and they're very sad about it mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because they love their pasta. So I decided I was going to go research that. And I did find one, actually, that's mm-hmm. very, very good. It's frozen. So, okay. you know, it's called Capello's. If you've never had it, I put it next to fresh fettuccine. And I mean, people preferred e- either one. I mean, it was oh. so. And then four days later for leftovers, it was still going, my husband said. So that's pretty good. <laughs> I know, pretty- right? Because a lot of times it, yeah. they can't hold up. These moisture disintegrates. But right. anyhow, I mean, we can create. Hopefully somebody can create a shelf stable version of that. That's a huge idea. Yes, it'll cost more. And I know I hear that, but it's going to cost too much. Well, people that want to eat protein, right. And miss their pasta. That's a big deal. So, and I'm just, I'm making one up just as an example. Right. But, but using that example, looking at it from, okay, yes, it's going to cost too much. But one thing we do know how to do is grow really well. There's, there's never been a problem with us creating like more product you know, availability in that side of things. And when I think of going to scale on anything, yes, we still want to keep our premium. And I think that's something I, I I don't know, maybe I'm getting out of line, but I really, I wrestle with this myself because yes, almonds have been this premium special thing for so long, but at the same time, I'm kind of sitting here going, yeah, but guys, we can be like everybody's diet. We can be like everybody's go, we can be in anything and everything. And that's power because of our ability to scale. Right. Um, I don't form factors, which people, they know, I mean, people just don't have that versatility that we have. Right. I, I, the other piece is all the research with the byproducts. Right. right. So right now we're feeding animals I and mean, we, we can feed that probably to humans. I mean, there's a test going on with it right now to formulate right. nutrition bars. Right. That's right. huge in terms of bringing costs down. Like I was just talking about, right. Oh. You can balance that. Um, cost factor to be able to include two types of almonds in your formulation, right? And now that's not a barrier anymore. So again, there's a lot of work that's still going on. This stuff takes time, but you got to have a lot of balls in the air, <laughs> right? Oh. Juggling them all because you don't know what your timeline is going to be on all these things. But totally. it's just important to make sure that you prioritize, you know, what's most likely mm-hmm. to work. And yeah. um, the other thing's a little bit longer term because you never know if some of that stuff does come through, but mm-hmm. not higher priority and not a sense of urgency um, because we are, you know, we're trying to do everything we can that'll drive the short term, mm-hmm. um, but, but you, you also have long term in mind. Yeah, too. you can't ignore the long term and, and how you do that. So, I mean, kind of bringing this back home a little bit, you know, our two organizations are dedicated to this one wonderful community and industry um I, and uniquely and distinctly um doing so but i think you know equally as important in that process um you know we we uh, we've talked a lot about you know the almond alliance really uh, like the resources and the collaboration that we can have with the incredible expertise and information is what allows us to be so effective 
when um, making requests or designing programs or working and advocating on, on specific things. We are marketing our product in a very unique way. I use the word marketing as a, as a commercial way, but really we are. We're, we're in there explaining, educating, and advocating for everything you're talking about with regards to the product and the way it's grown and the people who use it uh, and the people who, who do that um, in order to you know, protect the industry so it can continue to innovate, so it can continue to grow. Talk a little bit about kind of your vision of the relationship with the two organizations. Obviously, there's some there's legal, right? What what can the Almond Board do? I've always said, look, the Almond Board's job is to be an expert and to develop new markets. The Almond Alliance's job is to have an opinion on behalf of the industry. <laughs> so, I mean, that's my oversimplified. How do I make sure we're all staying in our lanes? But there is a relationship here that I think makes us a very strong industry, and I think that we all want to see. Uh, correctly, rightly, and effectively grow. Talk a little bit about your vision for that and ideas around that. Yeah, I think a big part of our role too, along with the board of directors is, you know, to to read the tea leaves and see, you know, what's ahead. Um, we know what we've, we're sitting on right now, which is a lot. I mean, I just look at the CASP data for one thing. That thing is a treasure chest of data that nobody else has data like that right and we're, we are using it that's where all of the environmental statistics come from because it's all self-reported mm -hmm. um but i see you know we need to be the strategist we need to look forward um from a consumer from a category perspective you're looking at it from you know what's on the landscape um politically mm -hmm. um and those two those three things are super important um because that's what will dictate the future of the industry, right? So as we see things coming um, from a strategic standpoint, whether that's from consumer or um, whatever else might be coming to us around the world, we're seeing trends, we're acting on those, we're trying to anticipate um, and then saying, okay, what do we need more research on or less or what can we pull out and maybe you know go a bit deeper on, look at it from a different angle um, as we're starting to do those things, very important for you and I to be communicating, our teams to be communicating to say, hey, here's what we're seeing coming up and you too, right? And yeah. way street and then getting together and saying, all right, so how do we need to shape this? What information do we need? What education do we need to provide? Because that's what we're doing, right? Mm -hmm. To be able to arm you, mm -hmm. what you need to go out and fight the good fight. Um, and actually make our politicians and regulators better at what they do because they're more informed, right? Yeah. I can't even imagine trying to do <laughs> that role in all of the different things that they have to be experts in, right? Yes, yes. And I think one of the things that we find is the approach that I've, you know, I and the team, we, we take a lot of times is just we play on our strength as the institution of almonds, that we are consistent that we have excellent information, that we're going to be good actors and we're not gonna you know, string you along. We're going to come in with full resources. So if we're asking or we're working on something with a regulator or a politician, if it's even just basic education, it's we're gonna lay it out for you. We're gonna make sure you're not out on a limb when you decide when that one person who has to be an expert on a million things actually sticks their neck out and says, hey, this thing on almonds though, we really should look at this. Or that how is this gonna affect almonds? We want them to feel confident in that and to, to develop that relationship of trust. 
Um, and the way that we do that is I think the combination of the two, it's, it's, it's the approach and it's the information that gets brought with them and the expertise that comes with it. And it is so important. And to your point, it's telling our story because we have so much turnover so often in some of these places, um, probably more so we're seeing a gray tsunami in the bureaucracy where we used to have like 30 year careers who were just Right. They've evolved with us and grown up with us and watched the industry for so long. And now we've got youngsters coming in and they're coming in from places that, you know, they're making decisions about agriculture and they're not coming from agriculture or they're not coming from our agriculture. And we're having to to shortcut that. And so being able to tell our story um, and be concise in that messaging. And it's amazing how quick that light bulb turns on because we are evolving. Um, a really funny story is I was sitting with a, a an agency head here in California who came in and did the exact same thing. So on the water thing, we really need to talk to you almonds about water. And I'm going, you know, that Mother Jones article came out like 10 years ago, dude. This has been a while. And I said, well, let me talk to you about where we are today. And I just walked him through, hey, this is how many acres of almonds are in drip irrigation, high efficiency precision irrigation. The result has been a reduction in water use by over 33%. We're on track for another 33% or more. We're now multiplying the factor of utilizing that water through technologies like fertigation and, you know, kind of walking them through what's happening in the industry. And he kind of went, so what you're telling me is the industry is evolving through this? Like they're actually meeting these challenges and correcting all of this? And I said, well, I wouldn't call it a correction. It's called an evolution and we're becoming better as a result of doing it. And he just, his eyes opened wide up and he goes, can I come see that? <laughs> I'm like, Yes, you can. And so, you know, you get kind of a new perspective um, around an old story. And I think we have to be willing to drop that old message too and start using new language and saying, this is a new era. I'm not apologizing for what we do. I'm standing very confidently on what we do. Right. Um, Absolutely. I'm, I think, you know, the magnitude, the gravitas of almonds too is a piece that I find that people don't understand. It's like, we shouldn't feel bad about the fact that we produce so many almonds in the state. This is the best place in the world to produce them, mm -hmm. right? Have that capability and, and they feed the world and they're good for the world. Yeah. So why, why would we, you know, why is that not um, more well-known and particularly with our politicians and regulators, right? Because we're a huge contribution to the economy, particularly in the state, but also around the world. When you, if you, if you followed the money right into tax dollars and employees and all the things, which I know we have for the state, we don't have that globally in terms of, you know, almonds get shipped somewhere else. And then there's there's more that get, happens to them before they actually wind up in a consumer's mouth. It's a massive industry. Just going to Christmas shopping last weekend and I was looking for candy with almonds to give to my friends and family. And I was in Cost Plus and... Um, there are, I, I had to stop. I had like a cart full. I'm like, why are we not? Why does this not happen in the U.S.? What happened here? Right? <laughs> I see, yes, hazelnuts, they like those too. Why are they so far ahead there? And why, you know, why? So we got work to do. That's we got work to do. That's, and that's, I think that's a good place to stop. We've got a lot of work to do. And Clarice, I'm looking forward to working with you to do it. And uh, I think we all are. So um, thank you so much for your time. You're and, welcome. Uh, and we wish you a happy holiday. This won't be the last. Hope you'll come back and join us and um, give us an update on, on where things are and where things are progressing and that aggressive, new, toned up direction that we're headed. So real marketing. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Thank you so much, Chris Turner from the Alma Board for your time today. 
and uh, we'll see you soon. All right. Take care. Happy holidays, everybody. Bye-bye. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this fantastic sit down and I hope you enjoy our content here at Almond Alert. You need to find us on any platform where you love and subscribe to all of your favorite online content. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, on YouTube, anywhere all of your other favorite and beloved podcasts are. So please check out Almond Alert and subscribe. And if you aren't a member, join us at almondalliance.org and become an Almond Alliance member today.